HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink, inspiring public curiosity about food. Learn more at mofad.org. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, we're celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. And welcome to the food scene on heritageradionetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. And on today's episode, Odette Williams can count on her four children to have plenty wants and needs for cake. That's something she too can count on with 10 cake bases to build off of, 15 cake toppings to make them shine, and 30 occasions to have your cake and eat it too. Now with hundreds of cake permutations, it's a wonder that baking from simple cakes her cookbook is really as simple as it sounds. And for all those expat Aussies out there, such as Williams, yes, there's lamington cake too. <laughs> Welcome to the show. And I, I want to start with lamington. Mm-hmm. That's we, a good start. Yeah, um, I've enjoyed pieces of it before. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's a delicious cake bite more so than a cake. Yeah. Can you explain to me what it is? Yeah, the lamington. It should be like Australia's national cake. Yeah, I, it must be. <laughs> I mean, I I mean what it, else is there? Let's just declare yeah. it today <laughs> as that. No, so basically a lamington is, um, it's a sponge cake. And then they dice the sponge cake up and they roll that sponge through like a runny chocolate. And then while that's still wet, then they coat it in like um, shredded coconut And then if you get a posh lamington. A posh one. A posh one. You get jam and cream in the center. Oh, I've had a posh one before then. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) And then then if not, you know, the lamington that's not posh is minus the jam and cream. But what... Where you kind of get them is you get them in bakeries and you get them at like fundraisers and bake sales. So like when I was like doing sport in Australia, I did netball growing up. And so, you know, you'd have lamington drives and so you'd buy them by the dozen and um, 
So because they're actually like a super labour intensive cake and that's why like you buy them at the bakery, you don't tend to make them at home as much. So I, um, I, in Simple Cake, of course, had to come up with my own rendition of the, uh, of the lamington. So I reimagined it, um, taking out all the work, and I kept, <laughs> <laughs> I kept all the flavours. So I kept um, – I actually think the thing with the lamington is that I'm always a bit underwhelmed by the sponge part. I'm not a huge sponge cake eater. Yeah, and I was reading into <clears throat> it a little bit because I wanted to be uh, – you know, well-researched, mm-hmm. but I, I saw that it could also be butter cake. Yeah. But that's something that differs between where you're from, and you are from Sydney. Yeah. The cake has its origins in Queensland. Mm-hmm. Um, are there different lamingtons? How did Queensland, how did Queensland like, uh, claim that? <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> New you're South the Wales one from might be happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> but are there different versions of lamington, or is it just, um, you know, as you described? Look, I mean, look, a really good lamington has a really soft you know, glorious sponge cake in it. But for the most part, you end up getting, you know, when you make them at home, it's usually like a butter cake. So, you know, it's like more robust and kind of can withstand the, like, the treatment it gets from the chocolate and the coconut afterwards. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, really, I just, it's funny, I had like two friends that were visiting from Australia and when I was like working on the cookbook and that's when I was like really digging into the lamington and I thought, you know what, I really love coconut. And like, okay, so what if I put a coconut base, I throw in some fresh raspberries, I bake that, I only need like two bowls and a whisk and I've got that cake done. And then in the end, I just like whipped cream and then put like chocolate shavings and toasted coconut on top. And the the spirit of it really is that you've just got to have like three spoons and your mates and then you've got yourself... The Lamington experience. I like how it's streamlined because the other desserts that I know of Australia, um, one is pavlova, and that's mm-hmm. debatable. You know, yeah. the, there's the rift between whether yeah. or not it's from New Zealand, though mm-hmm. I did find that Spanish wind tort may originally have come from Australia and that uh, the pavlova mm-hmm. was based off of that. That's mm-hmm. another story. And then fairy bread. Yeah, oh, fairy bread. It, but fairy bread and lamington are these cakes or are these treats, and, you know, fairy bread isn't cake, yeah. that you do single servings of. Yeah, I mean, uh, fairy bread, actually, I mean, it, it just immediately takes me back to childhood. And, it, and it's one of those things that's like at every every birthday party that you ever went to, there was fairy bread because it was like, and fairy bread, for those that don't know, it is essentially soft white bread and you put butter on it and then you put um, sprinkles. In Australia, we call them hundreds and thousands. I was about to say, you don't call them sprinkles. That's not true. <laughs> I do not call them <laughs> sprinkles. Um and, you know, I mean, they were, and then you'd cut them into triangles and, and then if the parent was being kind to you, they'd cut the crusts off as well. So, um, you know, but it's like one of those very simple treats that we had growing up that wasn't complicated. And I think in a way um, I had a similar experience with cake. Like there was a kind of modesty to, you know, baking, celebratory food, um, the you know, I mean, it's not as, um, it's more approachable, I think, you know, and it's not so intimidating because I think baking can be super intimidating. So, um, you know, I think maybe it's the Australian in me that really just tried to like go, okay, how can we make, uh, you know, baking cake, lay back, simple, 
doable. You just need two bowls and a whisk. You don't need special equipment, and I'm not going to take up too much of your time. Maybe it's the mother in you and the four children that you have that you don't <laughs> have the time to be able to do that. Um, this whole cake phenomenon, or the reason you did this cake, I, I know there are a couple of stories, but you have... Um, one of your children who's very engaged in this. Yeah. And she um, has baked with you for a long, long time. You've developed, what, an apron series. And, yeah. Uh, w- why did you feel like you had to simplify cakes and have cakes for all these occasions? Uh, I'm assuming each child, too, wants a different cake for a different reason. Um, why did you feel like you had to put a compendium together of simple cake? You know, I there was this book that I had in my childhood, actually, called the Australian Women's Weekly Kids Birthday Cake Book. And it was, you know, like, it's actually one of my most beloved books because in the concept of it is how I got the structure for Simple Cake. It had one cake recipe and two toppings and then, you know, um, different designs from it. And it was kind of cherished. Like it was like, I think it sold like a million copies in the 80s. Like everyone loved it and it was kind of democratic. And and I think that like with um, Simple Cake, I use the same structure and I thought, you know, you, you don't, to take the fear out of baking and to make it simple and doable because we are like all super time deficient, you just need very simple recipes. And then if you know I've got 10 base cakes, 15 toppings, And once you kind of master, say, a couple of those recipes, then you've kind of got an arsenal and you've got something that you can go, oh, I've got lemons hanging around. I'll make the lemon yogurt cake. Um, Or, you know, like I also then rather than just focus on kids, I realize like in our life we have like we, you know, we have friends over, we have family come and stay. We've kind of got a revolving door, you know, in our house in Brooklyn and And so I'm often like just cranking out cakes when I've got like company or, you know, maybe there's like moments in life too that, I mean, I eat cake when it's not my birthday, (laughs) you know, like there's just lots of great moments. And I realized that in the writing of the book that I wanted to make baking more every day, more approachable. And like, maybe there's someone in your family who, you know, you're trying to get across the finish line. And so that's why you bake them the bribery cake. Yes. You know, or like maybe you've had a really crap day and it's like, you know what, you need a bit of self-care. So there's the self-care cake. Um, and, you know, like the, there's a cake for holidays. And <clears throat> I just realized that um, in my life we have it and it and it gives us a very simple joy. Um, yeah. And that sentiment is seen um, both in happiness and sadness. I... I was reading about how you went back to Australia um, after your father passed away. Yeah. And that's when you really re-attached yeah. yourself to this concept of cake being a life moment. Yeah, you know, it's so it's so true. Like, I'd, I'd actually had the idea for the book for years. And then my father um, unexpectedly died. And, I, you know, I got that call that you never want to get on the other side of the world. And I, like, deliriously hopped on a plane and I went back to Sydney and my siblings and stepmom we were all organizing his funeral and we were like going through all the family photos and I and that's when I stumbled over the photo that um is in the front of the book of my dad and I because I realized that um my dad who was like newly divorced in his late 30s had courageously made like 
one of the cakes from the Australian Woman's Weekly Cake Book and we're standing in the backyard. I mean, it's classic Australian suburbia. We're standing in the backyard and I'm wearing Dad's, like, cargo shirt and he's baked, like, the bunny cake. And I just thought, oh, my God, like, A, I wanted to thank him and I couldn't. And I just thought this this is what it's about. Like, it's these, like, small moments, it's these small gestures that you can do for the people in your life that really um, become very memorable. And so I came back from Sydney in like a haze of grief and it was the summertime and I just pressed play on the book. It was just ready to come out. I was ready to tell the story and I kind of knew I had the other piece to I think what makes a cookbook really engaging which is that like it it needs to come out. Mm -hmm. That story needs to be told at that time and so... I spent like a summer writing down all these crazy cake memories and I realised I had a lot more than I, <laughs> than I had thought I did. And I was recipe testing and I wrote the proposal and then it was just like, a, you know, it was like off to the races. Yeah, and I mean, when you lose family, uh, sometimes you find more family in that and you have your four children who, who I'm assuming have carried on this cake baking and eating legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were to ask you, uh, who is Dixie, who is Matilda, who is Opal, who is Ned in the context of which cake? Mm-hmm. Can you tell me? <laughs> well, Dixie would take chocolate. Um, Matilda, well, Matilda, I've got I've to say, she actually helped me with a lot of the scaling. She's actually better at math than me. <laughs> so Michaela, I mean, Matilda is really my recipe tester. Um, and so Tilly, you know, I would say she'd go a classic vanilla with a chalk topping. Um, Ned and Opal, oh gosh, well, I just say in the book that Ned doesn't really care what the cake is. He just wants to lick the batter. (laughs) Um, and Opal, you know, she's, um, she's pretty adventurous actually. And she, the, the cakes are actually now simple enough. Opal's 11 and, uh, she can actually do a lot of the cakes herself, but um, the one that she pulls off seamlessly to right now is the chocolate cake. So, um, and then, then of course, they all love meringue because I'm like meringue and Vegemite. Yes. They have to be, that has to be in their blood. <laughs> Does Vegemite find its way in any of the cakes? <laughs> no, but I should work on that salty sweet combination in yeah. some way. <laughs> well, you have that one, is it called hidden treasure or something treasure cake? Yeah, you hide little, a little treasures. Yeah, you hide a little Vegemite in there. That's, I that's should, I should a put surprise. a little pocket of Vegemite. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to take a quick break and come back and talk about all the wonderful permutations of cake available in Simple Cake. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink. Featuring a variety of interactive displays, MOFAD encourages eaters of all ages to be curious about food. The museum currently operates MOFAD Lab, a 5,000-square-foot experimental space in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where Chow, making the Chinese-American restaurant, is currently on show until the end of March 2019. This exhibition celebrates the birth and evolution of Chinese-American restaurants, tracing their nearly 170-year history, and sparking conversations about food culture, immigration, and what it means to be American. 
It highlights the evolution timeline of Chinese American restaurant menus, dating back to 1910, and also highlights a tasting section where participants get to enjoy tastings created by the country's most talented chefs who specialize in Chinese American cuisine. Make sure you check out Chow while you still can. The exhibition closes at the end of March 2019. Check out MoFad's tastings and extensive event calendar at mofad.org/events. Hey, and welcome back. welcome back to the food scene. I did not have cake in my mouth. I didn't. I should have. <laughs> uh, welcome back to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkell, here today with Odette Williams, and we're talking about her new book, Simple Cake. Um, let's do the math. I know you said you're bad at math, so we might have to, you know, phone a friend, your your daughter. Uh, <laughs> Ten bases, fifteen toppings, thirty cake designs. How many permutations of cake are in this cookbook? Oh, I think it's kind of infinite. I mean, I think that um, you know, really, it's it's uh, you know, I think that kind of um, like I said earlier, I think that once you kind of have a foundation, once you kind of understand. You know what? It、um, if I have flour, I have eggs. I have baking soda. You know, some kind of dairy, a milk,、um, and then you think, you know what? I'm I I have lemons hanging around. I have vanilla,、um, and then you kind of from there, it's a bit of like a choose your own adventure, you know, experience. I think the cake book, and it's kind of got a modular way in which it works. And I think that you know probably you try a flavor profile that you like. So okay, so I'm. I'm,、uh, you know, really love chocolate, and then I'm like, okay, great. So today I'm feeling lazy. So, you know, I'm just gonna. And I actually say this in the book that every single one of the cake toppings can just be simply dusted with confectioner's sugar, and you can call it a day. <laughs> you know, like you、yeah. don't, you don't need to go that extra leg and make the topping if you just want that warm, delicious cake ASAP. But if not, you then like find your way around, and you think, you know what? I I really feel like trying this chocolate, you know, mascarpone buttercream. That sounds different, or maybe I'll put a glaze on it.、Um, or and and then I'm a huge advocate for just like putting like a dollop of whipped cream on the side. And I think that's like maybe more of an English Australian way of like tackling you know cake and baking. Is that I think because the climate in Australia is so hot, we don't want to spend too much time around an oven. Well, you also don't have to wait for it to cool down to then glaze it or exactly. frost it. Exactly, and, and I mean honestly, I, I really do think cake—the kind of cake I want to eat—is the, the cake that's slightly warm and has been impatiently cut, and I've got like whipped cream like dripping off it, like that. <laughs> That's cake at its ultimate. Yeah, I like how you said that. Though you do give rules on how to bake your best cake, from setting your rack at the right you know height, preheating your oven, don't open it during baking, which I'm terrible at.、Uh, always use recommended pan sizes, which I'm also terrible at. Preparing your pans, bringing ingredients to room temp, resting the cake, reviving day-old cake. Yeah.、Uh, with all these tips, what are the rules that you break all the time? Well, you know what I'm really, really bad at. And this is full confession: is that I'm I'm not good at setting myself up. I'm one of those bakers that goes, oh, oh I gotta get the eggs out. Oh, <laughs> oh God, the you know, or or like you know, I or I get distracted by children or you know, family life. 
But I, I do think that what I did do with the book is I, I wanted it to be inspirational, but I wanted it to be hardworking in the sense that if you did need to troubleshoot, um, what were the essential things that I could help you with? So A, guys at home, read the recipe. <laughs> and then like simple things Twice, like that three times maybe you know like and 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 then also i'm a big advocate for just greasing and lining your pan because it's like an insurance policy if you're going to put in an, an hour of your time just give give your bake the best chance you know and just very simple tips and i think that once people know that um and actually going back to the pan sizes I made sure that each cake had like variations on different pan sizes because I know what it's like. You see a recipe, like how many times have I been tortured by the, the small brownie skillet image and I can't bake it because I don't have mini skillets, you know, at home. So I really just wanted to take that angst out of it and say, you know what, if you've got a eight by two inch round or if you've got a cupcake tray or you've got, you know, like you've got variations and you could still make this happen. Um, so, you know, and I, I think that that's why the tips are kind of important. I don't take up too much time. I'm not pedantic, but I'm kind of like hard and fast mm-hmm. on like a couple of 10 that you've just got to know. I mean, you're kind of hard and fast um, about the 10 cake bases too. Yeah. Now, you, you don't sit there and, you know, write soliloquies about them, but I want to read them off because yeah. it is such a solid list. Thank and you. it must have taken some time to say, you know, what are that set of 10? Like, what? Yeah. and I wonder what you eliminated. But let me read this first. Yeah. Chocolatey chocolate. I also love the descriptors. Yeah. Very vanilla. Cinnamon spice. Milk and honey. Tangy olive oil. Versatile coconut. Lovely lemon yogurt. Madeleine's. Almond gateau. Mm-hmm. Gateau. Mm-hmm. Um, and meringue. Mm-hmm. What didn't make the cut and why? I'm still heartbroken the red velvet didn't make it. Because I, I love red velvet. I really, it's like one of my favorite American cakes. Um, so, you know, I mean, that was one that really, like, if I could have had 11, I, I really would have put that in. Um, I got kind of like a cream cheese icing in there instead. <laughs> and, and the milk and honey and there's other, there's other cakes with tang in there with buttermilk. Um, but, you know, there's many cakes that didn't make it in, like... Um, you know, like simple, there's a whole like world of like tea cakes that I love that, um, you know, like I love a great vanilla and orange cake. But what I kind of tried to do is in the book, there is also um, variations. So I tried to say, here's your core recipe. Here's a vanilla cake. But here's some options of how you could put in another flavor profile to that. So maybe you could put in orange zest or maybe you could put in some cinnamon and so I, I tried to be crafty in the way that I wanted, like, a really tightly curated, um, you know, 10. But I wanted to give you, like, ideas for maybe how you could expand from there. I, I think you get that with the toppings as well. And yeah. I, I want to talk about fondant because I have some experience with that. Yeah. Um, like the raspberry curd or the silky marshmallow icing mm-hmm. are slightly outside of the box, what you'd expect. Mm-hmm. Um, how far did you feel like you can push the toppings further than the cake bases? Yeah. I mean, well, I had five more to play with too. So like just in wiggle room, I had like, but I also was trying to, I was trying to just like exit the buttercream. I was trying to say, you know what? Cake can be so much more sophisticated 
sometimes and it's like a really underrated dessert like you can have an an amazing olive oil cake at a dinner party and you know serve it with like yogurt whipped cream and 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 it's a lovely you know um a, a lovely dessert experience um like and so I'm always like I'm always just with the toppings trying to think how can I how, what could I serve this with what would I want to eat this with you know like and like curd is like one of those great things too and there's a bit of a sentiment that runs through the book about gifting like you know really why are you baking you're baking for the people you love you're baking because it's going to make you feel good um and so you know I kind of like say well you know what if you if you're going to make curd why don't you make an extra bottle and like give it to someone you know give it make someone's day or like even for yourself to have in like the fridge I mean I guarantee like if you if you have it in the fridge you'll be returning every hour for a cheeky spoonful you know like it's like so um so I think I hope that in the book I kind of demonstrate ways that cake can kind of be you know played with or used for bribery and let's yes. talk about the experiential because yeah. the 30 cake worthy moments, uh, I, I was kind of giggling the whole way through this um, because I love the idea of bribing someone with cake yeah. um, or the idea of a cake for the working week. Yeah. Like it's Tuesday afternoon. What yeah. is the perfect cake for right now? Oh, God, you know what? Speaking of the the cake for the working week, I kind of say that that's like one of those cakes that you like bake on a Sunday afternoon and you play Dolly Parton's nine to five and you click your heels and get motivated for the week. But I could have a slice of that right now, which is like a lemon yogurt cake with poppy seed. And then I put like a citrus like syrup on it. And that's like just a, a simple kind of snack cake. You know, that's what we need right now. That and a, and a good latte. Yeah. And we also need little treasures because mm-hmm. that, that is one of the most ornate, beautiful cakes in the book. Mm. Um, but it has so much quirk to it too. Yeah. Why was that ever concepted and who is that for? Yeah, you know, I, I came up with that because, um, you know, when my kids were young, they had like this little kids, they like collect like a graveyard of small little toys that, you know, like, you know, you just wonder, what is that? Why are they attached to that? That funny little thing, you know, and then you kind of have, you end up having a graveyard full of them. And then I thought, yeah, but they're, they're little treasures, you know, and then I looked at it and I was thinking, oh, it's this window of time, you know, and, and you kind of want to capture it. And there's like, it's just, the kids have such a great sense of color and play. And, and so part of the process when I make the kids um, birthday cakes, I, you know, I say, what kind of cake do you want? And then we kind of like figure out how we want to decorate it. And I would sometimes take them to, there's a great candy store over in Williamsburg. And so we'd go there and they can select whatever candies they want to decorate their cake with. And, and of course they pick all these wonderful, like, you know, licorice all sorts and colorful little things. And I thought when I, when they pulled out the candies, I was like, oh, this is like their little treasures, you know? So it was like that cake is kind of like an ode to kids at that age. What is your cake? Oh, my cake? You know, I mean, as an Australian, I, I can't... I, I managed to sneak in the meringue as a cake. I know it's not officially <laughs> cake, but um, it's definitely a celebratory cake. So I love a good pavlova, a good meringue, individual meringue. But if not, I would just say I, I, I mean, I'm a sucker for vanilla. I think vanilla is like just the queen of flavours. 
you know, and I love like a great, simple vanilla cake. So I would probably choose a very vanilla cake. I want you to read me. Um, you have a background as an actor, actress, uh, so you must be good at developing stories in your head. Do you? Can you read people? Can you figure out what kind of cake someone is when you first approach? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean... Well, I'm not a mind reader, but <laughs> I think that, you know, I mean, I think, you know, even people that maybe aren't cake lovers, I think that what people love is like, you know, when you walk into a house and you smell someone baking, you know, like people immediately are disarmed. They're, you know, put at ease and they feel welcome. And I think that, I think that's what I love doing. I love like having, I love having my house full of people. I love people coming and going. And I really, I love people making people happy with what I'm like cooking, whether it be cake or savory food. You know, I think that that's like a real joy. Um, it's making someone happy through food. But I think you're avoiding the question. I'm inviting myself over to your house. All right. What cake are you making? I am going to make you the chocolate because you said you like chocolate. (laughs) My wife just got back from Zurich and brought back a suitcase full of chocolate. And it's very hard for that to sit on the table and for me not to partake. Yeah. I mean, I think also, too, you know, the interesting part that I found when I was, like, doing a lot of the research and the recipe testing was I really started, like, playing with textures because I think that when you... Like when you bite into like a soft cake and you have then like the whipped cream on top and then you have some kind of like crunch, like, you know, something you know, toasted or like chocolate shavings, like then you kind of get this whole experience that goes, you know, much further than how we kind of like perceive, I think, cake. Let's talk about the book itself, which is super lovely. And I was complimenting you off air during the break about how it just glows of your own, you know, jovial personality. Mm -hmm. And you could have written a cake book without that and it still would have been a wonderful cake book. But why is story such an important part of the cookbook process? Oh, you know, I, I really, I really, really loved like the marriage of storytelling through word and an image and I think I don't know whether it's my like theater background but I I think that you know how we connect it's through stories um and I love a good story and I like having a good laugh and or a good cry um and and I think when I think when people are real I think people um when people can connect in with something whether it be a story or a narrative or a recipe then then that's engaging and that's what I enjoy. Like I, and I loved like, I loved the combination of the different hats you wear when you write a cookbook. So there's a part of you sometimes where you're by yourself and you're writing, you're, you're trying to get those stories down you're trying to find the thread into what is the recipe and why someone at home should like make that recipe. And then, and then I love the times when I'm like on a photo shoot and we're like figuring out how do we style this or how do we, how do we visually tell this story so that it's aspirational yet achievable so that, you know, the food actually looks like so delicious. Um, So I really just loved like that whole combination of like um, visual and word. It's like a, it's super fun. I loved the fact that I found out you have an Aga stove. Yeah, I do. (laughs) <laughs> let's let's talk about that because that's on my covet list and has been for a while. Yeah. Well, my husband and I, we renovated a brownstone in Brooklyn um, 
well, actually probably six years ago now, which is crazy. Um, and uh, my husband had lived in a house before where he had had an aga. And so he's like one like deal breaker was he's like, I've got to have an aga. And he's a designer. So they're like, you know, I mean, they're iconic in their design. They're so beautiful. They weigh a ton. We actually had to like put like metal into the floor to just like support the <laughs> weight of it. But it's like a, you know, it's a... It's it's a magical oven in that it's um, you know it's it's you know when, especially when you're having um, people over it's got like a lot of capacity to have like you know you can be heating stuff in different ovens you can have things on the boil on the top um, yeah it's like a it's like a gorgeous friend yeah <laughs> but it performs and you know we we all don't have agas at our homes but. Uh, there is so much latitude in the recipes in this book that, like you said, they're hardworking uh, and they're pretty darn fail-safe for that reason. Yeah, and, and you know what I will say to uh, to the oven? I'm glad it's kind of come up because, you know, I've baked in many a shitty oven in my life, you know, out of all the rentals I've lived in. And, you know, we go out to Fire Island in the summer and we have like a humdinger of an oven out there. And I don't think, and that's what I, that's why I think, you know, baking and cake is so great is you you don't need bells and whistles you actually don't need fancy equipment to pull these off you know and and I think that yeah cakes are I mean I kind of say in the book cakes um, ovens are like people they come in all different shapes and sizes and they're sometimes hard to read but once you kind of like get to know your oven a little bit you know okay you know what my oven runs a little cool I'm gonna just crank it up another you know 20 or I'm, you know, or this this oven, you know, it's better if I like get it preheated, you know, like earlier. Or my oven's super efficient. Or, and then the other thing too is like I think that like a lot of ovens these days have like the fan forced oven, and I think they can be pretty brutal. So you know, you kind of just start to get to know like through just the doing of like, yeah, you know what, I'm I'm going to bake that, and that cake's going to be done in in half an hour. Yeah, it's it's kind of lovely because. Uh, some of these cakes feel transportive, and I don't mean they make you feel like you're in another place. I mean, some do as well, like the almond gatto is, is Mallorcan, yeah. um, and you'll have to tell me about that. But it makes you feel like you can make them anywhere. Yeah, and I mean, actually, I have a chapter in the book which is called the Travel Cake Section, and it was inspired by this. Um, we had these friends of ours that lived in Brooklyn, and then they went around the world, and they ended up in Mallorca. So we want to scratch their eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> and so my husband and I, we went and visited them. And um, and when we were there, we walked into this local bakery. And actually, that's when I had my first slice of almond gateau. And, and I was like, what is this? Like, this is amazing. It was this, like, really delicate almond cake. And it was, like, simply dusted with confectioners. And, and, and then I brazenly went back into the bakery and I said, would you give me the recipe? And they said to me, it's not a recipe, it's a process. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was like genius. And so I came home to Brooklyn and I started like digging around trying to like, you know, invent the cake myself. And it's, I, I, you know, I mean, it's close to what I had in Mallorca. But I think that the thing with cakes is, is that, you know, you go on travels and you get inspired by different flavors and you see different things. And and I think that when we often have the time to bake and cook and feed ourselves is when we are on like holidays, when we are vacationing. And so often that's when I'll like be a little bit more ambitious or I'll 
I'll try and use like, you know, if we're upstate and it's like fall and it's apple season, I'll try and like bake, you know, seasonally or I'll, I'll find an ingredient at a farmer's market and I'll think, oh, that's great. Raspberries, I'll take them. Um, so I think that cake, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I've, I say in the book that this sounds insane, but sometimes I do actually like pack a cake tin when I travel. If I know that like a friend's birthday is going to come up or, you know, or I just want to like bake a cake because we're like with friends and we're on holiday. I have no problem with that, especially if I get invited along next time. <laughs> but again, transportive, experiential. Um, but then I want to come back to fondant because mm-hmm. it, it was this one glaring thing in this book because mm-hmm. of its association mainly with wedding cakes. Yeah. Um, and mainly it's something that people don't really like, mm-hmm. uh, nay appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, why is it including simple cake? Yeah, you know, my editor and I had a back and forth about this and because um, I'm, I'm actually not a fan of fondant either. I... I um, I don't like the taste of it. I, I think it can be difficult to work with. It's expensive. It's definitely not what the vibe of the book is. It's the antithesis of like home-baked cakes. But I incorporated it into a section of the book, which is more kind of to do with play. And it's more to do with like for the people that have kind of an eye for decoration and you know, I used like a very simple Indian block print on the fondant and it was kind of charming and I used it in very, very small little discs um, so that really it was kind of like non-existent in terms of flavour and how it was going to like impact the cake. So it was kind of like satisfying, you know, the the, the cake decorating side of me. Um, but it's, you know, and, I, you know, I really tried to minimize like you know how it appeared when it appeared and you know to make it like a a fun a fun experience with with the proliferation of shows like uh, the great american or great british bake-off um you see a lot of fondant to dress something up and i only wish they could judge cakes on their simplicity rather than their ornateness and they do sometimes or you know more so technical skills than anything else um, which of your cakes do you think could win in the competition? Well, you know, I think any of the 10 done well. Because actually when I watch those, I when I watch those shows, I mean, look, I mean, Opal, my daughter, and I love to watch the break, you know, the, the, the baking shows. But I've got to say, you know, I mean, it, it thrives on drama, right? It, it, it thrives on there being complications in that. And, and, it, and it annoys me when I see, like, people pushing things too hard and incorporating too many flavors it's like it kind of has got out of control it's like no I, I don't want cardamom cinnamon chocolate and um, liqueur in my cake with a ganache something with cherries like that's just got way too much going on and I think like when you especially with baking if you just bake simply and well it should it should do the work. It doesn't need all these bells and whistles and distractions that are like gonna you know make it so much harder, make it so much more complicated. And really, it's not the kind of cake I want to eat. I'd like to think that if you were on one of those shows, your nickname would be Odette Lazy Lamington Williams. <laughs> I know, I know. I could already see Paul telling me like. telling me is this it yeah (laughs) well simple cake is much more than this is it i mean this is such a wonderful compendium 
not only of cake, but uh, of creating life experiences for you, your friends, your family. And everyone should pick up a copy today because it's out today. Congratulations on that. And thank you again so much. And I will see you when I invite myself over to your house shortly. Yeah, come on over. (laughs) You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at 3. A big thank you to MoFad for sponsoring Music by Cookies and Matt Patterson Engineering. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Just enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.